Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you, Manna Church. High Point, welcome this morning. And if you're joining us for the first time, or maybe you've been joining us for several weeks now, good morning to you. Hey, listen, we want to uh, hear from you this morning. So in the comments portion, if you hear something good, you can comment, say amen, or come on somebody, or mmm, that is good. So hey, before we uh, get into it, let me just give you a little bit of a rundown of what you can expect this morning. We're about to go into worship, and then we're going to come back, and I'm just going to share some upcoming events and some announcements with you, and then we're going to take communion together this morning. So if you don't have your elements, why don't you pop off and get some juice or some water or a piece of bread or a cracker and go ahead and get that ready. And then after communion, we're going to go back into worship with God, and then we're going to go straight into the message. And then after the message this morning, which Jefferson's going to bring, uh, then I'm going to come back and just close us out. So let's pray this morning before we go into worship. Father, I just thank you for every person that's listening whenever and wherever they are. Father, we worship you, and you said that you inhabit the praises and the worship of your people. So Lord, visit us where we are today in Jesus' name. Amen.
Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Oh, people of every nation. good if you and I can connect with one another would you do us a favor if you've been if you've joined us for the first time or maybe you've been following us for several weeks but have never completed one of our connect cards would you do that now we have this online and you can simply text MCHP that stands for Mana Church High Point MCHP connect to the number that's on your screen 94090 we would really want to get to know you and you to get to know us Hey, let me tell you about something really exciting that's going to happen next week. We've already announced, but June 14th, next Sunday, we're going to have our first in-person regathering, something we haven't done in almost 12 weeks. Can you believe that? So at our 11 a.m. service, it's going to be in person, but our 9.15 a.m. service is going to remain online. So listen, we want you, more than anything, to feel comfortable. So if you're not comfortable with coming in person, then we want you to be comfortable and watch online. We want you to do what's best for you and your family. So after the 915 service airs, it will be available to watch on demand. So before we get back into worship um, and take communion, I just wanted to say something uh, about the recent events, especially with the murder of George Floyd. I can't tell you how grieved and disturbed and as you are as you saw that video how grieved and disturbed that we are uh, the blatant disregard for human life is criminal and unacceptable uh, and it really the broader theme the broader theme in all this is has exposed how the african-american's voice has been squelched and so we just want you to know uh, that we want to we're praying and we're reaching out to you um, and we're talking about this but we must take action and I just wanted to give you a quote that I thought was so great from Dr. King from his book why we can't wait he said this action is the very purpose of negotiation nonviolent direct action seeks to create such crisis and to foster such tension which we need so that a community which has constantly refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue so i don't know if you know this or not but today today at 12:30, there is a planned march for peace 
uh, to protest, really, and to honor George Floyd's life. It's going to gather at 1230, but the actual march will begin at 1.30. Now, you can find out all the details on Facebook. Just search One Nation for Justice. I will be there, but that's One Nation, the number four, for justice, and you can find out all the details on Facebook. I hope to see you there as well. And so let's just prepare our hearts and, uh, as we go into communion together. Good morning, Mana Church. For those of you who may not remember my name since last I spoke, I'm Caleb Harris. I'm humbled, honored, and privileged to be able to lead you in our remembrance of the Lord's Supper this morning. If you haven't already, uh, please take a moment to grab your communion substances. As we prepare to take communion, I believe that we should be mindful of the times that we are in as a global church. Our country is hurting. Our world is hurting. We meet during a time when our world is crying out due to racial injustice. Not to mention, people are still dying from a global pandemic. These events have made apparent our brokenness and our divisions. Yet in the midst of this, we meet as one unified bride this morning. I want to take a moment to key in on that idea. When Christ our Lord instituted this practice and embodiment of our faith, he instituted it as an act that remembers his sacrifice for the entire world. I could give you a history lesson on divisiveness during Jesus' time, but it doesn't take much digging to find that our world has been broken and divided since Adam and Eve. Regardless, in the midst of brokenness, Christ instituted a remembrance of the unification of his bride and his body. This morning, we remember together with believers across the globe, one unified bride that stands together to shine light in the midst of darkness. Now let's prepare to partake in this meal with believers across the globe this morning. God's word said, the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And we had, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for you, preserve your body and soul unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. God's word goes on to say, in the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you. Preserve your body and soul unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you, and be thankful. Let's partake. Now receive this blessing this morning. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, 
Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Grace and peace to you this morning as we continue with our worship experience.
Good morning, Mana Church. My name is Jefferson. I'm on staff here. It is always my honor, always my pleasure to be preaching and speaking words to you from the Bible. Really excited about what we are doing today and what we're doing in this season of our church. But before I get into the message, I want to do a couple things. You know, for a lot of students, 2020 has been a very crazy year, as for many of us in our lives. But we have two students that I want to talk about today, Megan Jones and Josiah Walker. We just want to take a moment, as we do every year around this time, to honor our high school students that are graduating. And it's really a momentous occasion because they are ending one chapter of their life and beginning a new one. So to Megan and Josiah, we are so proud of you for all the hard work that you've put in, for the lives that you have lived. You've been a part of this church for what may have feel like your entire lives. And we've had the honor of watching you guys grow up to be able to support you as a family, as brothers and sisters. And we're really excited about this next season that is coming for you. Megan is going to UNCW, University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and our beloved Josiah is going to Appalachian State University. We love you two both so much. Can't wait to see what is in store for you. So I want to pray a blessing for you. Lord, we thank you for Megan and Josiah. Lord, we thank you for the lives that they have lived. We thank you for your hand that is on their life. Over the, these next formative years, will you mold them? Will you shape them? Will you take their hearts and continue to develop it into the people that you are calling them to be? Lord, we thank you. We are so much better because they have been in our lives, because they have been in this church. Lord, will their lives be a reflection of your name? In all this we pray, amen. Megan and Josiah, we love you so, so much. We hope you enjoy the small gifts that you have received from us or that are on your way. And I think as we talk about how they are entering into this new stage of life, these formative years where they really begin to figure out who they are, maybe if you've been to college and maybe you're old, I'm not going to apologize for calling you old. You're just going to have to deal with it. If you're 30, you're old. I'm just kidding. If you're 32, you're old. 
joking. I'm not going to keep going amongst the numbers. I could, I could go on forever. You're not old. You're young at heart. We get it. You came before me. I have to honor you. Whatever. But if you've gone through those college age years, then you know how formative they are in the person that you are now. Really, you might say that those years were really building a strong foundation in your life. And that's what we're doing in this series, which we are calling the Purple Book. The little line that it says on the actual Purple Book says this, Biblical Foundations for Building Strong Disciples. See, we want to take this next 12 weeks as a church, go through this study together all about the foundations. Because... I've been in many rooms with top leaders of the world and being a part of internships or mentorships groups. And everybody always asks this question, what does it take to be a successful leader? What does it take to make it? And almost every single time the leader says something to the extent of, it's all about the basics. Are your foundations strong? Are you reading your Bible? Are you connecting with Jesus? Do you have life-giving and healthy relationships? I think as Christians, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the foundations because we get caught up in so many other things. Maybe it is the relationships. Maybe we're just distracted by our careers. Maybe we're distracted by our families. I don't know what the distraction is for you in your life. But when we know that our foundations are concrete, when we know that our basis is in the person of Jesus, and that is the formation and the key and the basis and the life source for the continuation of our life, then we know that Christ will be at the center and that we know that Christ will lead us as we go on. See, the kind of, the, the, kind of the, the basis or the key scripture that is in this series for these next couple weeks is Luke 6, 46 through 49. So as you're turning there in your Bibles, I want to take one more moment to remind you that we're not only preaching over the next 12 weeks, but we've actually created special small groups that go along with each week this entire series calling the Purple Book Small Groups. So you can sign up at the link that is in the description. Really think that this is going to be transformational. This is going to help change your life, help guide you along the summer as you engage in a study of your foundations. We actually have a small group for every single day of the week. We have some that are online. We have a lot that are meeting in person. Really encouraging to take that step of faith to join a small group, to go a little bit deeper, to not just be a spectator and not to just be a participator, but to really be an owner of your faith, to be an owner of being a part of this body of Christ. So hopefully you're joining a small group. There is still time. Join today. Join today. Luke 6, 46 through 49. This is the key scripture really for our series and for this book. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Parents, have you ever felt like that? Why do you call me mom? Why do you call me dad if you don't do what I say? I know it's not the same thing. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what it is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the, but 
The one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. See, when our foundation is strong and when storms and trials and tribulations and hardship comes in our life and they wreck our house, our house won't fall because our foundation is strong. And obviously the house is imagery for our life. When hardships come in our life and when we feel shaken, we can be rest assured that we know our foundation is in Christ. But when our foundations are not strong and they're built on sand, they're built on things that are not secure, hardships come and our lives begin to crumble. You know, as we speak today and share these moments together, I, I want to remind you that this study really builds on each other. See, last week we talked about these ideas of sin and salvation, but today I want to talk about lordship and obedience. And many times when I attempt to communicate, I want to make sure that I am balanced, that there is always grace in my tone, but I really want to be strong today. And there may not feel like there is much balance. There may not feel like there is much of a message of grace. And that's not because there isn't grace in the communication and the story and the person of Jesus. But we really want to take time to hone in on some ideas. And they really build on each other. So today, really talking about lordship and obedience. And if I come off strong, that is what I hope to do. So if you're just joining us for the first time as man at church, or maybe you're exploring what it means to be a Christian, please don't be scared by my tone. Please don't be too quick to say, oh, there's no grace. There is, but maybe just not in this message alone as its own thing. But I really believe as you get the whole picture, there's grace, and, but there is also a, a truth. There is also some not harshness, but directness. And I think in our lives, maybe we look at Christianity and we think that Christianity is exclusive. And you know, I wouldn't disagree with you, but a lot of times we think that exclusivity also means that we have to be rude and that we have to cast people out. But I, but I wonder if we changed our language from Christianity, be, Christianity being exclusive to Christianity being really clear. I think when Jesus communicates and people ask him, Lord, Lord, what does, it, what does it take to follow you? What does it take to be a Christian? And he lays it out really plainly. And he lays it out really directly. And then we're quick to say, well, now you're just trying to be mean. You, you, what you mean to tell me that I, I can't take all of my thoughts, I can't take all of my actions, I can't take all of my beliefs and somehow mold it into the idea of Christianity? Unfortunately, no. And I think that comes with this idea of lordship and obedience. And I think about this idea of lordship and, and why do we as humans want to become lord of our own life? May I submit to you or may I just even ask the question, do we want to be lord of our own lives because that is a quality and a character of God? See, lord 
are Jesus Christ. God, He wants to be Lord. He doesn't just want to be Lord, he, he is Lord. And He has the right to be Lord as Creator and as a perfect being. But if we are created in the image of God, does that mean that we want to be Lord? See, the only issue is, as we discussed prior in the week before, that sin has entered the world. And we have been born into sin. And sin not only misses the mark of perfection and misses the mark of goodness, but also perverts. And it also twists. So we want to become Lord of our own lives. But when we encounter Jesus and we enter into salvation, Jesus must be Lord. Jesus must be Savior. In Acts 2, 36, it says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know that for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. It's a nice message when we want Jesus to be the Savior of our lives. It's a nice message, and it's a good message, but it's only half of the message. See, Romans, it says that if we declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that he was crucified and died for my sin and raised three days later, that's how we enter into salvation. And many times we hear a gospel that only says that Jesus is here to save you. And that is true. Jesus is here to save you out of death and into life, out of darkness and into light. But if we only think that Jesus is Savior, then we will miss the goodness and the freedom of our life that Jesus wants for us. We begin to live our life asking, why do bad things keep happening to me? Why is my life still hard? Why can I not find the purpose for my life? Why don't I know what to do? Why can't I have healthy relationships? And I think it's because we only made the step to Jesus being Savior. We only asked Jesus to forgive our sins, but we didn't ask him to transform our life. I think if we want our lives to change, if we want them to transform, which is what the gospel preaches, the gospel isn't, I want you to be better. The gospel isn't, I want you to have better disciplines. The gospel isn't a good set of morals. The gospel is a life transformation. And when we only accept Jesus as our Savior, we only get half of the gospel. Jesus Christ cannot just be Savior. He must also be Lord. And if we attempt to accept Jesus just as Savior, but reject Him as, as Lord, He is not Jesus Christ of the Bible. If we don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, He is not the Jesus of the Bible. If we only take half of Jesus, if we only take Jesus as Lord, or if we only take Jesus as Savior, it becomes a Build-A-Bear type faith. It becomes a Burger King, have it your way type faith. It becomes an in-sync, I want it my way type faith. But that's not what this faith is. You can't choose just Savior and reject Him as Lord. He won't be the Jesus of the Bible that you read and hear and encounter. 
And then you wonder why your life hasn't changed. It's because you haven't encountered a real Jesus. It's because you haven't encountered a real gospel. It's because you haven't encountered a full God that wants to transform your life. He doesn't just want to save you. He doesn't just want to forgive your sins, but he wants to be Lord of your life. You can write it down this way. Don't subscribe to Christian morality. Submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Becoming a Christian is not just about trying to follow a good set of morals, but it's about submitting to a Lord. It is about submitting to a person. 1 John 1, 5-6, it says this, This is the message we have heard from we, we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. I think it's strong language here and, and might feel hurtful being called a liar. But what it's saying here is if we claim to be Christian... If we claim to be Christ followers, yet we walk in darkness, yet our lives don't actually line up with our actions, then we lie. And we are still living in darkness. If we just subscribe to a morality of Christianism, but we don't accept Jesus as Lord, if our actions don't actually line up with what we're saying, if we just accept Jesus as Savior, if only our sins are forgiven, yet we're not transformed, and if our actions don't line up, were we actually even ever transformed from the beginning? If I claim to have fellowship with Christ, yet I walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And I think it's hard sometimes to feel like you want Lord to be Lord of your life, to have control and lordship over your life because you want to be in control. I think I want to be controlling my life much more than I think. But we have to know and remember that lordship and obedience is not about control. It's about freedom. I think this might be life-shifting for some of you. That lordship and obedience is not about control. It's about freedom. So you think that when you give your life to Christ and he forgives you of your sins and becomes Lord of your life, now you can't do the things that you want to do. Now you can't party. Now you can't be in relationship with whoever you want to. You can't live your life how you, 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 you don't have the liberty to just react and respond to people on social media. You can't just get flared up and have an anger and have a fit at somebody because they don't agree with your beliefs. You can't decide not to forgive somebody even when they haven't asked for forgiveness. See, when you claim to be a Christ follower, these things must happen. We don't have a choice. 
but I don't want that choice. I don't want to have the choice to be enslaved to sin. Because when he forgives me of my sins, he removes me and he, from the bondage of sin, making me free. And now I can only live in, through, and by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But I think we have to be careful of how we think about the word freedom. See, we think that freedom means that I get to do whatever I want. But we must be careful not to confuse biblical freedom for our Western American ideologies of freedom. We must not confuse the idea of American freedom. American freedom is not synonymous with biblical freedom. Because when America says it was the land of the free, that was not true for every person. It wasn't true for every person. And we think that American freedom becomes synonymous with biblical freedom, that I have the right to do whatever I want, and I have the right to do and say whatever I want. But when we become a Christian, we do not subscribe to American freedom because that is not synonymous with biblical freedom. We must subscribe, subscribe to biblical Christian freedom which means I'm no longer enslaved to sin. I am no longer slave to the lordship of my own life. I cannot just do whatever my feelings, my emotions, my thoughts lead me to do. I must let God transform me. And it's out of that place that I live. It's out of the transformation of Christ that I respond. John 14, 5, it says it this way. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And this is not meant to be condemning. I think this is actually to be reassuring. Jesus says, if you love me, if you really do love me, if your devotion is to me, if you are connected with me, if my life, the life of Jesus, has transformed your heart, then you'll keep my commands. It is the only response. It is the only way to live. It is the only way to be. Because when I love Jesus, it is his love that transforms me. And it's out of the transformation, not the addition of Jesus, not the subtraction of bad. It is the transformation that happens by believing and confessing Jesus as Lord as Christ, that my life changes and I begin to live. In the purple book, chapter two, you'll go through it this week. In lesson two, there's this quote. It says, when true salvation occurs, the evidence of our changed lives should be obvious. It's simple. When true salvation occurs, when I am really transformed by the love of Jesus, the evidence of our changed lives should be obvious. See, obedience is the evidence of lordship. Lordship evokes obedience. 
They go hand in hand and do not happen without each other. Matthew 7, 13 through 14, it says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. It says right here in the Living Bible, in the Scriptures, in the Gospel of Matthew, that finding and living a Christ-centered life is not easy. But it should be obvious. When you are a self-proclaimed Christian, it should be obvious that you are different from people that do not proclaim Jesus. By how you speak, by how you act, by your work ethic, in the way that you respond to people, by the fact that you forgive quickly, by the fact that you give people a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. It should be different by the fact that you serve people. It should be different by the fact that you are willing to sacrifice. And so many times we think that we are sacrificing when really it is just pure obedience. We have elevated obedience to Jesus, obedience to the scriptures as sacrifice. See, when the Bible says to love your neighbor, and then when the Bible says to forgive your friend, and when the Bible says to serve the poor, and when the Bible says to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, you think that's sacrifice. But really, that is just simple, baseline Christian obedience. The way you live your life should be different. And it's hard. And there's pain. But you don't have to do it by yourself. And that you can join and link arms with brothers and sisters in Christ. And you can stand up for justice. And you can stand up for truth. And you can stand up for true freedom. Rest assured, people are going to attack you. And rest assured, people are going to call you names. And rest assured, people are going to come for your name. But also be rest assured that when your foundation is in Jesus, he holds your life in your hands. And be rest assured that Jesus has hope for you. And Jesus has peace for you. And Jesus has joy for you. And all these things come when we Declare that Jesus is Lord and Savior of our life. Matthew 7, 15 through 19 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Verse 17 so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. 
Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. It seems that though in the Gospels that Jesus often calls into, calls into account our salvation more than we think. So what are you asking, Jefferson? I think through many of the conversations that Jesus has with the Pharisees and the religious people, he asks them, are you actually a Christian? Do you actually follow Jesus? I mean, I mean you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't, do what I, you don't do what I say. You call me Lord, Lord, but the fruit that you bear is bad and diseased fruit. You call me Lord, Lord, but your life doesn't reflect the very thing that you proclaim to be. You can say that you're a Christian, but if your life reflects one thing, see, we, so many times we want the fruit of our life to determine who we are. And that is true. But our fruit really represents the root. The root of our lives. Where is our root drawing its source from? You know, there's this leadership saying that I've been thinking about a lot recently. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. You could say, hey, I'm a Christian. Love is love. I want to love people. But then when somebody comes at you for your political beliefs, you just respond in outrage. You're reactive instead of proactive. And when you say you're a Christian, but somebody drags your name all over social media and you bear bitterness in your heart, what is the fruit of your life showing? And I know I'm, I'm, I'm bringing a hard message today. And I'm not saying that your life has to be perfect because it, because it won't be perfect. And I'm not saying that if you do more good things, that Jesus will love you more. And if you do more Christian things, then Jesus is going to forgive you more. That's not what I'm saying. Refer to last week's sermon. Refer to last week's study. But what I am saying, that if we live our lives and proclaim to be Christians, yet we want to be Lord of our life, and we want to live our lives however we want, it is obvious and apparent that the fruit of our life does not reflect who the source of our life is. I know it's difficult, and I know that you struggle between your spirit and your flesh. We all do. And sometimes it's hard to make the right decision. And I know that we don't always comprehend all of Jesus. And we don't comprehend all of his lordship. And we don't comprehend all of his healing and all of his saviorness. And that's okay. Because I believe that he's going to continue to reveal it to you step by step, moment by moment. I love what it says in Romans 14, 7 through 8. For none of us lives to himself 
and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. I want to encourage you that if you've really been transformed by the message and the person of Jesus, then he is your Savior and he is your Lord. And it's the process of sanctification, which is simply the process of becoming more like Jesus, he slowly and more really begins to reveal how he was Lord of my life. And daily I submit to him. And daily my actions reflect that. And yes, there is room for grace. And yes, there is room for progress. I don't have to be perfect, but I do have to make progress and I have to make steps towards Jesus. I also like saying it this way, that our relationship with Jesus is not about destination, it's about our orientation. And when we've truly been changed by Jesus, our lives, our heart, our mind, our will, our actions are oriented and are in line with the person of Jesus. Sometimes that means doing the things that I don't want to do and doing the things that God calls me to do because He is my Lord. He is my Savior. You can't just take bits and pieces of the Bible and you can't just take bits and pieces of Jesus. When you declare that Jesus is Lord and believe that he died and rose from the grave and forgave you of your sins and paid the penalty of your sins, it's in those moments that your life is transformed. And it's in the presence of Jesus that we continually are transformed. You know, maybe you haven't heard this gospel message as strongly before. That accepting Jesus into your life is not just about the forgiveness of your sins, but it's setting Him as King, throne of your heart, that He is the ultimate end and the beginning, that He gets to determine your life. He's saying, I don't know anymore. Or maybe you thought that when you prayed that prayer years ago, that you were just asking him to take away your sins, but you really weren't dedicating your life to the Lord. And you're saying, I didn't know that's what I was signing up for. But you feel this stirring in your heart that God is calling you to reorient your heart, to make him Lord of your life. I want to give you this opportunity to make Jesus Christ Savior and Lord. It's, it's one moment thing. Maybe you've prayed the prayer in the past, like I said, but you need to reorient your actions. Maybe the Lord is really revealing that He is and that He needs to be Lord of your life. Whether it's the first time or whether you're praying it again, repeat after me. Jesus, I give you my life. You are Lord of my life. I declare this day 
that you are Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. I believe that you lived a sinless life, died on the cross, paid the penalty for sin and death, and I give, rose three days later, and now give me access to eternal life. From this day forward, you will be the sole Lord of my life. Lord, help me. Help me to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, or maybe you're still not sure where you're at and you want to talk to somebody about this, get out your phone, text this keyword, MCHP Jesus, to the number that's on your screen, 94090, because we'd love to have a real conversation with you. We love to walk this journey alongside of you. You have to follow Jesus for yourself, but you're not supposed to do it by yourself. We're inviting you to join in to be with our community. A community that says that we want to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. That's where the real freedom is. That's where the real fullness is. That's where hope and life and joy are. So if still, you're not in a small group. There is time to be a part of a Purple Book small group. You know, this week we're going to talk about lordship and obedience. There's a few lessons and it really takes you through the journey of scripture. And in your small groups, you can really ask the hard questions and get down underneath the service and wrestle through it. I really believe it's so key to how we're preaching these sermons, to how we're going through the study. So please, please, please click the link in the description of this video so you can join a group. We love, we'd love to walk with you and through you. Man, in church, I'm so excited for how Jesus is working in and through your life. I love you so much. See you next week.
promises And all your promises are yes and amen I'll sing that again All your promises are yes and amen Hey everyone, welcome back. Jefferson, thank you. That was really awesome. And I love how you basically said freedom isn't doing whatever you want or even achieving what you can. True freedom is found in walking and loving God's ways, and that's called obedience. Hey, listen, I know that this has been a difficult time with COVID-19 and the murders of two African-American men. Maybe you need prayer. We want to stand with you. If you're believing for something or maybe you would like us to pray for you would you do us a favor you can reach out to us by saying texting rather mchp to the same number that's on your screen 94090 we want to stand with you in prayer but more importantly we want to pray with you so thank you for that hey um we have a saying around here at mana church and that is god has made you on purpose for purpose and we want to help you discover your purpose. The best way to do that is being part of Growth Track. Growth Track will help you discover, not only discover your purpose, but find out more about who we are, about who Mana Church is. You can be a part of our Growth Track even today online by texting MCHP Growth Track again to 94090. Now, um, lastly, here, just want to say thank you so much for your incredible generosity you giving has allowed us to stay on mission which is loving god loving each other and loving the world thank you so much for your giving and you can text to give by texting mchp give to the same number 94090 thank you so much for your generosity we couldn't do this without you we are one church and we're moving forward together so anyway we love you can't wait to see you next week but I hope to see you today at the march.